The village was ablaze with a hot, crackling fire. Goblins and their high sea leaders had just overrun the place, dragging away every living elf in their path. They were bringing their captives to their den to be tortured and turned into goblins, or worse yet, used for breeding. The unarmed elves fought back to save their homes as much as they could, realizing their attackers were too many. They abandoned the burning village. They scattered to the forests with the monsters close on their heels. Master Wizard Fargal was concentrating as he walked across the littered streets. He used his magics to flip large piles of burning rubble out of the way. A younger wizard, Alibrion, was there as well. They were searching. Fargal heaved another burning house pole aside, using only his magic staff. She is here. She is still alive. A voice called out. The two quickly ran to the street's corner and moved to their brother Sibylist's side. In his hands was a tiny squalling elfling that he'd extracted from the mother's womb. The female elf had perished when the roof collapsed on the house only minutes before. The mother's corpse lay distorted, with her upper body still beneath part of the burning roof. Alibrian tore a sizable chunk of material off the elder Hiss's apron. He used a spell to clean it and smooth the edges and to preserve it from wear. Sibylist quickly wrapped the blanket around the elfling. He then pulled a small ampule out of his pocket. It was filled with a glowing liquid. He put the tiny end in the babe's mouth. The infant drank the solution greedily. The newborn was hardly bigger than one of Sibylist's young rabbits, but this was normal for elves. What shall we call her? Wizard Sibylist quietly asked. She had finished her first meal, so he gently handed her over to Fargal. Fiona will be her name, Fargal answered him. I'm glad we found her alive, Elibrian said. Was there ever any doubt? Fargal smiled kindly down at the elfling, whose tiny hand pulled on a chunk of his facial hair as he inspected her. The master wizard secured Fiona into the soft folds of his robe sleeve. The three wizards then moved quickly out of the disaster that was once the village of Velhavar. Welcome, you've found your way to the Tales of Eldalorn reading of Book One. I'm your narrator, Carly Bond. Pull up a chair and make yourself comfortable while I read Chapter 27, Many Evils. Our story starts out with a flashback to when Fiona was found. That was some strange circumstances, but the wizards seem to know what they're doing. 
And that was a long time ago. Today our friends are heading back north, and it's a long trip to Velavar. Let's wish them luck as they continue the story. Fiona didn't know what was crawling up her neck until it was too late. She heard it buzz loudly when she slapped it away. A giant hornet stung her cheek. Fiona's face instantly puffed out of control. Hold still, my love. EJ flipped the stinger out of the wound with the edge of his small knife. He quickly made a cut on her face and sucked the poison out, spitting it on the ground several times before he was done. Fiona sat crying as he packed the wound with a willow leaf poultice to stop some of the pain, but the damage was done. It was not as severe as it could have been. EJ's fast extraction of the poisons saved her from permanent injury, but she looked like she had a droopy mask on and a big swollen lip. This injury will soon pass, E.J. said quietly as he held her in his arms. His attempts at consoling only seemed to make her more upset. Fiona was tired and now had a pounding headache. We should make camp, E.J. told the others, taking control of the situation. He was starting to feel irritated himself with his brother and Nolan for their unending silliness. For not knowing each other's language, they certainly communicate very well, Fiona tiredly pointed out. I think they are just finding each other, EJ said quietly, as she lay down on the bed he had made for her. Their giddiness is more about an excuse to laugh and touch. They are not considering your injury, Fiona. EJ's wisdom that was always so calming to Fiona was not so comforting today. Please know that I always love you, EJ, Fiona said, scowling to herself in pain. I feel such uncontrollable anger right now. I do not know if I can hold my tongue. I might say something I do not mean. What is wrong with me? I know it's not your fault. Not anybody's fault. Fiona felt confused and tired. Maybe it is the wasp poison. She winced as she touched her bandaged face. Rest now, EJ said as he stroked his fingers over her hair. He expertly untangled as much as he could and made a single thick braid that hung over her shoulder. Fiona was lulled asleep by his gentle tugging and loving touch. EJ kissed her on the nose before he left to see what he could find for dinner. Rovash and Nalan were sitting as if attached at the hip next to a blazing fire. They both held sticks with something cooking attached to the end. You look like you're fishing, 
E.J. couldn't help but smile. Nolan giggled as she spoke in a different language that they did not quite understand. I think she is happy, Rose said, looking at her small dimpled face that was peering up at him. She is like a hungry bird, brother, waiting for you to feed her, E.J. said as he sat down. Our Fiona is not well. You should rein in your happiness just a little so as not to wake her. Roe looked puzzled and suddenly realized how silly he'd been acting. How strange, I feel like I'm under a spell. His eyes shifted around and he looked seriously upset with himself. Oh, Ninhan, you are feeling love. It is not an illness, nor is it fatal. EJ laughed. You are simply fond of this one. What? Ro looked uncomfortable. Do not shy away, brother. This one may look small, but I was told that she is older than both of us. EJ looked at her across the warm glow of the fire and smiled. Nolan smiled back. You and I were small ones still in our mother's bed when this one was probably pledging herself to our king's forces. E.J.'s face went serious in his weariness. We'll have to learn her mother's tongue or teach her ours. And besides, E.J. added for fun, my brother has stolen a kiss or maybe even two in his lifetime. He laughed at Rose's startled face. I am glad she did not hear you just say that. Besides, I, I have grown too monstrous for such small, delicate females as I have seen in the land, Rose said, studying her more closely. I am just happy to see Elvin Kin alive, he said smugly to himself. For some reason, the thought of his brother never allowing himself to embrace the love of a mate made E.J. sad, but he could not argue such things. Rovash noticed E.J. frowning and broke into his thoughts. I wish we could have helped more. They both frowned, thinking about the scenes of the island they shared in their memory. Nolan was speaking softly. She seemed to be begging politely for another bite of food as she tugged gently on Rose's sleeve. She is healing. Feed her well, E.J. said, as he gave up on the idea of having a meal. Eachlam decided the anxiety and anger they had all been feeling could be an unfortunate side effect of their mother's village and the island beyond. The thought that they may never safely return there made him sad. King Alinduil was also a puzzle in his head. He pondered his words and wondered just what he meant by this realm asking him for something. He now knew his father's name, but it didn't make him feel any different than before. These are things only wizards and high elves know. They seem to speak in riddles and secretly understand more than they ever tell. E.J. lay down next to his Fiona. He too felt restless. So many thoughts clouded his mind that he couldn't sleep, so he lie there listening to the crackling flames of the fire. 
Although the wizard was compelled by his nature to cooperate with the wishes of the lords, he had grown fond of Fiona. She grew tall and affectionately called him Papa. He smiled at memories of her bright eyes and sharp wit. She had learned so quickly how to cast spells and wield a basic magic staff. These were things he decided to teach her. They were not required for his assignment into the mortal realm. He truly missed her now. A long year had passed since E.J. had sent back word that he had found Fiona safe with his brother in Velhavar. <laughs> Ilmatar lords can see into the future of men, but they cannot always anticipate the finer details of what humans call fate. The wizard Fargal smiled as he lay down for another long nap. By Rovash's calculations, they would be home by midday. Nalan was feeling well enough to travel along on her own two feet, but was a little bit slow still, so to quicken the pace, Ro decided it would be faster to carry her, and so he did, over most of the distance. The swelling from the bee sting on Fiona's face had healed, but there was still a small pink line where EJ's blade cut into Fiona's cheek. Her feelings of unreasonable anger had subsided, but were soon replaced by a growing sense of dread. It has been too long since I've been home to see my papa. Fiona was filled with anxiety, just saying it out loud. Maybe I should make the trip when we get back. I feel like something is not right. EJ knew that he could not change her mind once she decided to do something even if her words sounded like she was asking his opinion. He knew she did not want an answer other than what she had already decided. I have an idea, Fiona. You could bring Nalan with you, get a pony for her and take your time. Teach her the ways of her new life, EJ said. The decision would be up to Nalan. I do not know if I can pry her away from your brother. Fiona said. EJ smirked at her, and therein lies the reason for taking her away. My brother needs to get back to his work. EJ grinned softly. I will ask her then. Fiona smiled at him, and that was the end of the conversation. They were soon within view of Fort Velavar. Dakin met them at the gates. He had been scouting the lower valley and had much to tell Rovash. The soldiers stared in wonder at the tiny girl as Rose set Nalan on the ground. Fiona took her by the hand. She was leading her to their quarters to unpack and show her around. Nalan turned and stared at Ro the whole time she was dragged away. He smiled back but just stood there feeling relieved. 
It was good to be home and back to business. Rovash and his first-in-command went into his office to talk with Dakin. E.J. went to the kitchen to find something edible to bring to the meeting. Dakin had found a dragon in the lower valley to the northwest. That would explain animals migrating into other territories. We will have to take a force out and kill it. Roe turned to his first lieutenant. Brief the troops on high-level tactical engagement. We will be marching as soon as we're ready. Yes, sir. The man left to start working on his assignment. Rovash and Dakin locked eyes as the man left the room. Nothing can prepare these boys for fighting a live dragon, Dakin said with a serious look on his face as he leaned forward over the desk. What do you propose then? Ro asked in frustration. My thoughts are to ask why the dragon is here in the first place. There is no Dorvan settlement, no hoard of gold in these parts to lure such a monster here. The only other reason would be something can command it. Concern knit Ro's brow as he paced the floor. He stopped and rested a hand on the hearth. Dust had gathered on the mantle and the fire had gone cold in his absence. He leaned into it as if to crush the massive stone into rubble. He could not deny Dakin's logic. We have fought too many evils, Dakin. I hope you are wrong. Robash looked sharply at his friend, but they both knew he was right about this one. The wizard Fargal has openly defied his orders and decided to stay in the mortal realm for some reason. Do you think that's what Fiona is feeling? And a dragon has moved into the neighborhood. I wonder if they're connected somehow. Dragons are very dangerous creatures. Since the beginning of time, they've been fighting with the Dorvan clans of the south over the shiny things they find in the mountains. This is a conflict that's been going on for so long, they've almost wiped each other out completely. Dakin is right in saying that this one has no reason to be here. It is no simple matter to get rid of a dragon. But when crops start failing and livestock goes missing, they are going to have to do something about it. Elvish Lesson of the Day Hey, Elvin Kin Explained, and here we go. Elves are an expression of highest creation. The elves have a delicate beauty and almost immortal lifespan. 
The first elves were brought forth on the northern shores from the oceans of Anghali. Most like deer in nature, they wandered freely among the foliage, unaware and vulnerable, until they were gathered in by the Darjeeling, who were concerned for their safety. Scholars have theorized that the elves were created to be examples of virtue and nobility to humankind. The word for elf is edel. Elderhis are female elves. Edelath are elves as a species. Edelim is a group of two or more elves. Their language is elvish or edelin. Pedededelin, do you speak elvish? If you've been paying attention, I know you do. And now you can find our Elvish lesson of the day on carlybond.com. I will also list them at the end of the podcast notes every week. And have a great day and stay safe out there. Till next time, bye-bye. This is Carly Bond signing out. Mm-hmm.